Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Full Court Podcast brought to you by Enoch Lee and Angus Wong. Today we're at episode 11 and we're a little more excited than usual today. Uh, I haven't got to talk to Angus at all, so let's let's fucking get into it, bro. Holy shit. Holy shit. It is 12 a.m. After game two. The Kings take care of business at home. Honestly, I was a little bit scared to begin this series because I I thought we were gonna drop the first two games. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I mean, hold up. Let me let me get my home. let me get my broomsticks real quick. Let me get my broomsticks out the closet real quick. Let me let me just let me just grab them real quick. Do you hear that? That's I, I the think sound. I hear I hear some shh shh shh. Sh. I think I, I think I hear something, bro. I don't I think, even think that's sound effects either. I think that's like <laughs> actual brooms being brought out to the Chase Center when we take care of business as we eliminate the Warriors in four games. Oh my ben. God, Angus! I wish you were in, in sack right now, bro. Yeah, I could tell the city's going crazy, dude. So, and I could tell that we have some bandwagon fans because I remember uh, when I was living in Sacramento and I repped the Sacramento Kings so hard, I used to get made fun of. I know, People in, your, in saying, your own city, bro. In your own, in my own city, city, getting clowned on. They were like, "Ew, why do you like the Kings, dude?" And I'm, I'm so glad my loyalty is finally paying off. Uh, me too, bro. I just, it's just uh, okay. So for the first game, I went down with Aaron, and we went um, to the watch party, like you know, the outside watch party right outside of the yeah. arena. And there were so that. many fucking people there, bro. So many people. The only thing was that watch party, like they didn't have any alcohol, so we like after the first half we dipped. Um, dang, you guys dipped and went to a bar, like right yeah. next to there, like um. And we watched the game in there, and it was super live in there. It was like a, a block or two away, so it wasn't like right next to there, so it wasn't packed, but there was enough yeah. people in there for it to be like loud. And man, once that game ended, bro, we were we we damn near sprinted out of that bar, and we were just on the streets, just yelling and jumping and screaming. Everyone was honking at us, like you know, not not to get out the way, but they're like, yeah, go Kings. Like, it's just, it's just a crazy environment, man. Like, I wish you were here to experience it because you, I promise you, you've never seen SAC like this before. Yeah, it's just, I've it's, never it's seen insane. It. it seems like everybody's united behind the Kings. And that's just, this is something that you see behind a championship team. This is not something you see around a typical playoff team. Like those years when the Warriors finally won the first championship, this is how the Bay Area was. And honestly, I could the way that the Kings have been playing after the first two games, I think they're they're ceiling so high. <laughs> like I'm actually getting chills thinking about it. <laughs> it's it's easy to get carried away, but it's you gotta remember that we the next two games are gonna be in San Francisco. Um who the Warriors have proven this season to be a completely different team at home. So we'll see how much of a different team they really are. The main difference but, when I watch their home games versus away games is their bench steps up a lot more. And um, you saw it today and the day before. I mean, the game before, our bench really stepped up, bro. Yeah, our bench. Malik Monk, Malik Monk leading the charge. Last game, it was Trey Lyles. Hitting clutch threes. This game, it was Davion Mitchell. Davion yes. Mitchell yes. played some of the best defense I've ever seen on Steph Curry. And it was just something you have to watch the Down game. Down the really stretch, grasp. bro. In, in, like, in the clutch. He he was forcing Steph Curry to pump fake and pass it, pass it and facilitate the offense. And you don't really see a lot of players forcing Steph to do that. Because Steph always plays within the flow of a game. But when you make Steph Curry second guess his own jump shot, then you've done a great job as a defensive player. Yeah, especially when they're especially when the Warriors are trailing. I, 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 Steph is not very good when there's that much. When obviously the entire defense is focused on him, and he needs to make a play to catch up when they're down like more than at least five. It just I, every time he's in those positions, I just never really see Steph be that dominant. When like you know Jordan Poole will hit a three, and then Steph will hit a three right after that when there's a little bit of momentum, and then Steph really rides the momentum, and. Yeah, I think 
Davion did a great job, and you got to give him. Uh, I hope he won Defensive Player of the Game. He did. He did win it. He yeah, he so, walked right into the press conference room with the chain on. Well deserved, bro. Well deserved. But you got to give the entire Sacramento Kings defense some credit. Because guarding Steph is a team effort. It's not a one-man thing. It's a team effort. And I saw a lot of Sabonis running off, uh, you know, uh, stunting on, hedging off screens and, and then just blitzing him. And just a lot of, like, you know, everyone was involved. And after that, you know, it's four on uh, – it's four on three, so you gotta scramble and catch up. And we did an excellent yeah. job, excellent job of that as well. And against a team like the Warriors, like that shit's necessary if mm-hmm. we want to win. We zoned up extremely well uh, whenever they had that advantage with Steph. With two two Kings players coming to Steph Curry, that the Warriors have a four on three. But then the Kings zoned up extremely well. And honestly, I'm just really proud of the the pace that we played. There, Mike Brown's always talking about pace in the half court. We forced the Warriors to play at our pace, and they made a lot of mistakes. They had, I think they had 20 turnovers tonight. And the Warriors are notoriously a high turnover team, but these were like some very costly turnovers. Yeah, especially and, in that and, first half. Mm-hmm, in that first half, they were playing extremely sloppy. And the first first quarter, quarter that's when I thought this game was going to be the game that we give up to the Warriors, especially when we went down by seven and we couldn't hit a single three. Yeah. But then Malik Monk came into the game and changed it up. He I think he went on like an eight oh run by himself to bring the Kings up played, by three in the second he played quarter. Played so good. Not enough can be said about this man. Not only did he drop thirty last game, um, but he comes back and does it again basically. And it's just when Fox isn't scoring, it's like Monk is the guy making the plays. And and he's doing the same things that Fox does. He's putting a lot of pressure at the rim. He's forcing help defenders to come over. And the Kings are moving the ball and doing what the Warriors do best. But they're doing it better than the Warriors. He's getting to the rim. He's getting to the rim a lot. And this this Warriors team really lacks like interior presence, especially when Looney is uh you know glued to Sabonis. They really got no other rim protectors besides. I mean Wiggins can come t- sometimes help, but yeah, Wiggins Wiggins has been pretty good since coming back from. His uh, absence. I really thought that Wiggins was going to be rusty, but he he looks he like is he rusty. fits in with the Warriors well. He's rusty with his shot. We're lucky he's think, rusty. Yeah, he's he's still a good defender. He still has that length. Like you can see, the Kings don't want Wiggins guarding Monk or Fox because that length and athleticism can really bother us. Yeah. So, but he still has a lot of value as a weak side defender. Now speaking of wing defenders Harrison Barnes you <laughs> give me a hard time with Harrison Barnes All right before you, you go on let me let me just let me just apologize real quick okay okay I'm going to apologize players. I'm going to apologize to a couple of different players on the Sacramento Kings mm-hmm. and maybe this is a little too soon to make these apologies cuz the series isn't over and the playoffs isn't over but let me just so far I've been wrong I've been wrong about Harrison Barnes okay I hate. I used to hate on him a lot, and if he has a bad game this series, I'm gonna hate on him some more. But so far, he's been playing like the veteran that we need, and mm-hmm. especially in the first half, he comes out with some fire. And we're not a great first half team when it comes. Like we'll just get slow and stagnant, and Barnes will make a play, whether it's getting fouled or he had a couple crazy dunks in the last couple games. Yeah, he dunked on Klay Thompson twice this he game. He just looks young, man. He looks young like it's just like, "Whoa, did we just like reverse him like 7 years cuz this guy looks springy." Uh he came into the league as a dunker and he's just and I but I haven't seen it, you know, but but now in the playoffs, I mean, he hasn't been in the playoffs in a while. And this is last year on his contract finally in the playoffs on a contending team, third seed in the West, facing against his former team, which blames him for that 2016 loss. A lot of Warriors fans blame Harrison Barnes for the 2016 finals loss because he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Yeah, he played like shit. But that he was still like a third-year player, so give him some, cut him some slack. Um, besides Harrison Barnes, I want to apologize to Trey Lyles as well. Okay, Trey Lyles, mm-hmm. like Harrison Barnes, even though he's younger than Harrison Barnes, is playing like a veteran. And especially now that Keegan Murray is kind of like taking a step back um, and whether that's because uh, Mike Brown doesn't trust him enough to give him enough playing time or shots or Keegan is literally just scared out there. It's probably a mixture of both. But He's a rookie. 
Yeah, like, I mean, what yeah, do you expect? Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah, exactly. So you cut him some slack, and that's okay because Trey Lyles has taken a step up and is playing amazing, okay? And my last apology goes to Davion Mitchell. I never really mm. straight out outwardly like disrespected Davion Mitchell, but I've had conversations where I don't give him enough credit. And uh, th- so far, and he showed it a little bit in the first game, but especially this game, man. He uh, Mike Brown gave him a little more minutes. Play, had 14 points, so hit a big three in the fourth. And um, and most importantly, you can't necessarily stop Steph Curry, but he did a hell of a job trying to. And You can it, chase Steph around, make him tired. Think just, about how just, tired Steph is it, from just running gotta, around just, on defense. Exactly. I mean, he's always running around. So, like, now you got a guy that can stay with you and you have to run faster. It's just like, man, if I'm Steph, I do not want to get guarded by this kid. You know, just like young, fresh legs, literally like almost 10 years younger than you, like just all over your ass. So, those are those. Last year. Wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, those, those are just the three players I wanted to quickly apologize for, maybe prematurely, but we'll see. Hopefully not, I'm, but maybe. I remember last year. Watching Davion Mitchell on defense, I saw I saw the hype, but then I always saw him getting caught on screens. But this year, he's just getting around screens so easily, like those Looney and uh, Draymond screens and all those off-ball screens. It they don't they don't affect him at all. He's so small, he's so agile. He just moves around them, and he, has to learn. he, he pressures. Had to learn. He did he have to learn. to learn, and he he's guarding. He's pressuring Steph Curry ninety-four feet. Yeah, it's impressive. But I like he had to learn in practice to get around Sabonis' screens, who is one of the best screen centers in the league. So when you have a guy like that in your practice, every single practice, uh, and you know he doesn't start, so he's running with the bench unit, and they're playing against the starters a lot, I bet. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, if you have to get around Sabonis, you can. If you can get around Sabonis, you can get around a lot, of, a lot of centers in the league. You know who can't get around Sabonis? Draymond Green, and that's why he did what he did tonight. Man, fuck Draymond Green, bro. Draymond Green, fellow I, podcaster. I don't see any problem? I don't see. Oh, he is a fellow podcaster. We do share the same airways. <laughs> but just seeing what he's doing to Sabonis, he's trying to get into Sabonis's head, but he's Sabonis is not getting affected. Like uh, Jared Greenberg, after the game, asked Sabonis about Draymond's antics. And Sabonis said, it's just playoff basketball. We're going to get yeah. physical. We both just want to win. I like that and answer. On the other hand, Draymond is saying, Sabonis keeps grabbing me. Last game he grabbed me. This game he grabbed me. The rest got to do something about it. Now, this is the tale of two coins. I mean, two, two sides of a coin. You could tell which team is really locked in. Versus which team is trying to do whatever they can against their opponent's head. They're trying to play more mind games than the actual basketball game. Some old head shit. It is. It is some old head shit. And Draymond Green is an impending free agent. And honestly, this this is how dynasties end. We saw with that punch to begin the season. And now we're seeing, I don't know, the Warriors might be headed towards an early exit. Yeah, if we lose, I mean, if we beat the Warriors in this series, which it's kind of looking like that, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak too soon, but you know, it might happen probably. Um, the way the league talks about the Kings, man, everyone's gonna be like, "This is the biggest deal ever!" Like the Warriors have to blow it up. Something could happen, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think something will happen. Just because Draymond is a free agent this season, and we know that he wants his, he's on, he's probably this is probably his last big contract of his career. I would take Draymond. And then Draymond to top it off, you would take Draymond on the Kings. He, I would take him on the Kings. I think he might go to the Lakers, be with LeBron, because we all know that he loves LeBron. That for wouldn't some work, reason. After, bro. That that would not work. The Lakers do not have enough shooters. I don't know if Beasley and Russell and That's Austin Reeves. Enough, bro. That's not enough. I mean, it was enough to take down the Grizzlies in game one with Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves going crazy in game one against the Grizzlies. Austin motherfucking Reeves. AR-15. AR-15. Not not our AR-15. In case you guys didn't know, uh, former podcast host Aaron Robinson wore number 15 in high school, and he played played football, and we used to call him AR-15. 
So Austin Reeves is taking a page out of Aaron's book. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So John Morant out for the next game probably. And who knows what it's going to look like for the rest of the series. But if he can't play, man, this 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 Grizzlies team is in a lot of trouble. Uh, no yeah. Brandon Clark, no Steven Adams, um, and then no John Morant. Like, that's going to – it's it's just – it's too much. And this Lakers team is kind of rolling right now. So – And that John Morant injury looked absolutely disgusting with the way that his hand just cracked the other way. Yeah, man. Uh, it's – it's when you're it's high flying, like – Thank, thankfully, it's just his hand. You know what I mean? Like, um, it could have been like a leg injury. So yeah, but he said he can't even. His pain is at a ten. He's trying not to even use his right hand. I believe it's his right hand. Yeah, the Grizzlies are done, bro. They're done. Um, yeah, and done. I think the Lakers' path, Lakers' path, just got a lot easier. And no, it didn't get easier because now they got to play the fucking Sacramento Kings, bro. <laughs> Yes, they'll play other the Kings. We want blood. And that was a team. Brian Windhorst reported earlier this season that the Lakers wanted a sixth seed so they can play against the Kings. And I can guarantee you that that Mike Brown, Mike Brown is not going to let his team forget that. Mike Brown is going to put it in their heads that that if they wanted us, they're going to come get us. One hundred percent. Um. The Lakers, they're they're looking good. These new pickups just kind of like are starting to shine in this, these playoff runs. Austin Reeves is not a new pickup, but with the addition of Rui Hachimura, uh, what do you have? Thirty points? Yeah, I think it was twenty-five. No, it was either 32. twenty-nine points 20, or thirty points. Thirty-two points, 32 bro. Points. That just <sighs> here's the thing I saw. And, and first of all, yeah, here's the thing I saw. Um, Rui. 29 points. Oh. Yeah, yeah, 29 points. But I heard that that the the Grizzlies game plan was to let Rui shoot. And it's just like, bro, like, we're in the fucking playoffs, man. Like, you can't let, like, Rui Hachimura is not the best three-point shooter, but he can, he's a respectful three-point shooter. You can't just let a guy like that just shoot you can't just let him shoot what kind of fucking strategy is that like yeah i guys I think, just don't try I think against they're just him betting on that yeah you, you have to give up something in the playoffs like there's no way you're going to be able to stop everyone in the playoffs and they rather let Rui kill them than let lebron or ad kill them well that's what happened, which is man. the right which is the right move i don't think Rui can do this for four three or three more games no he can't but but what i was listening to first take today Stephen a He's no Kendrick Perkins. Sorry, he said Rui can't do. The, Desmond Bain was like, "Oh, let's see if he could do it in a seven-game series." And Kendrick Perkins says he didn't have to. He doesn't have to. All he needed to do was get that one game for them. That's all yeah. Rui as a role, role player. That's all he has to do, and he did that shit. So thirty points, bro. Even if he like scores fifteen points the next game or twenty, like ten, you know what I mean? That one game at on. On the fucking Grizzlies home court, man, I can't wait for uh, the mismatch episode here. Chris Vernon <laughs> has to say about this this game, man. They, they just dropped it right before we started recording this. They dropped it. I'm about but, to listen to that shit. Yeah, role player. That's what the role job of role players like. Stars win you games, but then role players change the change the series around. Because in all my years of watching playoff basketball. In every single series, there's always that that one role player game, and this yep. was a Ruby Hachimura game. Uh, you've had, I don't know, the Otto Porter game last year in the playoffs. What are some and ones that stand players. out for you in in history? Like in history, one that in stands history? out for me is uh, Mike Miller. Mike Miller. Oh, in Game that Five one. against the Thunder, twenty twelve. Game where he final. lost his shoe. The game where he lost his shoe. Oh yeah. He had yeah. like thirteen threes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you didn't have 13. Th- I think he had 13 <laughs> in one quarter, but not 13-3. He had some crazy shit, bro, but I remember yeah. that one. Uh, there's a lot, actually, but I remember 2009, Ben Gordon had like 42 points or something against the Celtics. That was, a game, that was one of the first playoff games I've seen. And who else? 
Oh, I can't think off my top of my head. Oh, J.J. Barea, 2011 NBA Finals, Heat versus Mavericks. J.J. JJ Barea had one of those games. And I remember the memes after that game. People were saying that J.J. Barea is um, it was LeBron's dad. And I think that's where the that's where the son and dad memes began for, for playoffs. I swear, that's where it started. Um Yeah, so I think I think we can call this Lakers series a wrap. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, unless unless John miraculously comes back um and, and has his like, fingers put back in place. Right, and it's just pain free. Like this dude can't shoot right now. Like he can barely close his barely close his hand. Um he's definitely not gonna dunk and slam his hand against the rim. And I'm pretty sure he can't really dunk that dunk that well with his left hand only. Uh, mm-hmm. So this guy is not going to be an asset if you put him on the floor, and I don't and he's, think he can't be a decoy either because he can't really shoot. Exactly, and you, if you, especially if you could shoot a little bit, you can't anymore. So unfortunate for the Grizzlies, but with the season they've been having, it kind of went downhill a long time ago. So, and it's so funny that the NBA gave Jaron Jackson Jr. his Defensive Player of the Year award today. <laughs> It's like putting a band-aid on the hey, open wound. That loss was not on him though. They, he had he played it's a great not. game. He he played a great game. He has game. to. Yeah. But I think Anthony Davis in game 1 showed showed the world why he's still the best defensive player on this planet. Yeah. Anthony Davis, if he was able to play at least, I don't know, 65 games, that's a new rule now. If he was able to play 65 games this season. I think he would have won the defensive player of the year award. Here's the thing that, with so AD, much, man. He, yeah. he he almost went out for the series. I thought he was out for the series at halftime, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he said he couldn't feel his hands, but somehow he And it just comes oh, back I, miraculously. Like what the fuck? Like I sometimes I just think he's lying. I feel like he knows the camera's on him because he has like those type of injuries every single game I watch him. Like he's on on the ground for a long time, or like he says something LeBron. Saying that he's hurt or something, but then he's he still comes out and plays. Maybe he's just scared of the the media. Maybe he's scared of what people say to him on Twitter. Maybe the coach you tells know? him to stay down so they can talk about some shit on the fucking sidelines. Oh, that's a good tactic. <laughs> yeah, but, I think that's what that's what was happened with uh, Sabonis after he got stepped on. Like, bro, you, that shit did not hurt that bad, bro. And and then you had the assistant in his ear, like, "You good? Stay down. Stay down. You good? Stay down. You good?" Stay down. <laughs> I would also bonus is tough. So bonus is a tough dude. I think if he was in pain, I mean, bro, he's playing with a broken thumb. No, that's not what I mean. Like he was on the ground for hella long. He definitely got the wind knocked out of him. For sure. But bro, I've gotten the wind knocked out of me. Like (laughs) you're out, you're up in like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Bro was on the floor for like four or five minutes. (laughs) You don't have Draymond's big ass leg coming down on his ribs i mean yeah. he he did have to get an, an x-ray for his ribs which is concerning but the x-rays came back clean thank thankfully yeah i mean yeah but um speaking of broken hands tyler hero <sighs> tyler hero with a broken hand against the bucks but somehow the heat still win yeah because no Giannis. And Middleton is still not Chris Middleton. This so is... you know, so this Giannis injury um, happened the same way the jaw injury happened. They're both ha- mm-hmm. they both happened on charges or attempted charges, and now people are starting to question um, the safety of this play. So what do you what do you think? I, I feel I feel like this has some validity to it. Like you see, it, there's right? there's validity to it. Yeah, but. It's dangerous. I think the biggest very issue. dangerous, especially like with how high guys jump these days. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's like the the circle is not farther far out enough. You know what I mean? But that's the thing. Or that's the thing. I saw something on Twitter. Some guy proposed that maybe the NBA should extend the restricted area that's circle a good idea. so that way dudes are not just sliding under to get a charge. That's it's a good idea. More, it's farther out because I don't think we should limit the charge. Because why are we rewarding offenses for being reckless? You know, you're right. That's a way better idea to just extend the restricted area because that's the only purpose it serves, correct? Yeah, that, like, that's the only u- purpose it serves. It's literally and not it's, used for anything else. And the restricted area was was like a rule from like the 60s. So that way players couldn't just like t- 
take charges all the time whenever they wanted from under the rim. Right. And now players players are bigger now. They're more skilled. They're more athletic. We need we need better uh, circumstances to fit in with our modern times. Because even even in the sixties, Wilt Chamberlain was able to get the paint expanded because he was just such a large athletic freak. Yeah, that, that that's with, something that needs to be happening. I think I think that will I, the NBA is pretty good at, at stuff like with stuff like that. But yeah, the Heat, yeah. um, yeah, the Heat won. And like you said, that the Giannis and Jaw falls, they were similar, right? But then yeah. one one player landed correctly. Like Gian, we were always taught in basketball, like Giannis, if you're gonna land, try not to land on your hands. Yeah, like land on your body, your back, and Jaw. Yeah, land on your body. I mean, yeah, land on your back and let your butt take the cushion because that's right. what your butt is for. Right. And Giannis, Giannis probably got a lot of that. You know, he got a lot of muscle. Yeah, he got a lot of back. <laughs> <laughs> he got a lot of back. Uh, yeah, but Jimmy Butler finally showed up. Uh, he didn't really show up too well in the, the first two playing games, but uh, t- 35 points, 11 assists, five rebounds. Had a great game. Uh, and Bam had 22 as well. So they, they, they I, uh, they play. I heard, Kendrick Perkins said something on first take today. He said Chris Middleton had thirty. He said Chris Middleton had a very very quiet thirty points, but didn't really affect the game. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, how do you have a quiet thirty three points? You know, like what? How, do, yeah, how does but- thirty three points not affect the game? Like, I kind of get what he's saying, but still, like, this is not a good way th- to word I that. I think we're just so used to Chris Middleton being such a good two way player. Cause he 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 really does take he really does guard the best player on the other team and then drops twenty five to thirty, but like he looks slow. He looks bro. really slow. He's he's not moving as well as he used to. Yeah. Um. Uh, if Giannis comes back, which I think it, there's a much higher chance of Giannis coming back full strength than Jaw. Um. But if he can play most of the series, I I still th- I still think the Bucks are the better team. Um, but mm-hmm. this this Heat team can prove to be their kryptonite. Kryptonite. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to talk about the Heat. Wait, w- one last thing. I think the Heat are just a tough team to play. They're not. I'm not saying that the 100%. Heat are better than the Bucks. Especially not, the, the Heat are not better than a lot of teams. But you don't want to play them because it's going to be a grueling series. You know that they're well conditioned. You know that they're going to be physical and they're going to come at your throat every single time. Every single time. Every single game. Every single minute of every single quarter. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm glad they're on the East because I, <laughs> I would not want to play that team. God, um, but yeah, with the loss of Tyler Hero, especially, it's that's that's one more offensive guy that they that they just don't have. And Gabe and um, there are other guys like Max Struess who dropped thirty in a playing game. Uh, you know, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. They're all they're all not not Tyler Hero. So. That could prove they got, to be a big. They got Kevin Love. Kevin Love is a proven two way player. That boy Caleb. But let's go to a series we talked about last week. Um, kind of bantered back and forth a little bit. But uh, the battle between the four and five in the West, the Clippers and the Suns. You, great game. Great you game. need to eat your words. You said this is going to be not even a close series. You said yeah. that the Suns were going to beat them easily. But I told you they got a mid-range machine named Kawhi Leonard, and that's how that's how the Clippers won. Yeah, I th- is Kawhi Leonard the best player in the NBA in the playoffs? At, well, if he's the it, best player in the playoffs, is he not the best player in the NBA? Yeah, you would have to say so. And he's he's probably gonna when he retires, he'll be the best player in NBA history to not win an MVP. But he'll have yeah, Finals doesn't, MVPs. Doesn't give a shit about the regular season, but. But dude, oh my God, he is unstoppable. Thirty-eight and points. It wasn't just Kawhi. I felt like Tyloo outcoached Monty Williams. One hundred. There were so many possessions when I when I was watching the second half of that game where Kevin Durant was standing in the corner or Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton were running pick and roll in clutch time instead of just giving the ball to Kevin Durant and letting him work. Like that's exactly what the Clippers did. The Clippers just gave the ball to Kawhi and let him work. Cause in in clutch time in the playoffs, isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to let your star players win the game for you. Yeah, 
The yeah, Tyloo definitely. Um, you have two great coaches on both teams, Tyloo and Monty Williams. But Tyloo knows, and most people in, that follow NBA or in, or are even in the NBA know that the Suns team is a great, deadly mid-range shooting team, and they made it very crowded in that mid-range area for that team. And uh, like you like as you saw, uh, it just it wasn't easy for Durant and Booker to get their shots. And mm-hmm. um, I do want to say though, um, I think the biggest thing about this game was was depth and the the moves the Clippers made at the trade deadline really paid off. Eric Gordon with a, a very good 19 points as a role player. I know he starts, but still, you're a role player. Uh, 19 points is like great Norman Powell off the bench 23 minutes had 14 um Mason Plumey had 11 and 11 rebounds and seven points uh off 18 18 minutes you know 11 boards in 18 minutes that's a that's a difference maker um I know uh in Zubox 15 rebounds 12 12 12 points Russell Westbrook 10 rebounds uh, eight assists nine points the thing about it's just it, this this team has much more depth than this Suns team. You on the bench of the Suns, you didn't have a single guy in double digits, and one of your starters, Chris That's Paul, had seven points. Yeah, so, but I will give Tory Craig some credit. I think if if this Suns team won that game, Tory Craig should have been the, the player of the game because he was playing out of his mind. Yes, but the that Tory Craig twenty two points is the same as Rui's twenty nine points in my opinion. That is not Except sustainable for the whole series. Oh, for yeah, sure. Except that they lost. For and sure. like, if you're the Clippers, you'll give Torrey Craig twelve to fifteen shots every every game because you know why? Because those are shots that are not going to Devin Booker or Kevin yeah. Durant. You got to live with those shots. But he stepped up and actually made them. And last week, you remember I said that there's not a single player on the Suns bench that can give you a consistent ten points. Their entire yeah. bench can score ten points. You were right about that, man. Uh, yeah, they just, yeah, you were very right about that. Uh, you want to talk about Russell Westbrook a little bit? Um, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you a question: Is Russell Westbrook a good or a bad player? And the answer is yes. That's it. Because <laughs> he did everything you want him to do. He did everything that you wanted him to do on the Lakers. I mean, he still took terrible shots, three of nineteen, but. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like bad. he was everywhere. He was like a maniac. I like he was tipping the balls. He was he was setting screens. I can't believe he was setting screens like that. Why didn't he set screens like that for LeBron on the Lakers? He's bought in, man. He's bought in. He's bought into Ty Lue. He's bought into Kawhi. He's bought into PG. Like you, you go. You're on the floor with Kawhi. You fuck up, or you know, timeout calls. You come back and you got PG in your ear saying, "You're good, bro. You're good." Like, like that's the type of environment Russ needs to be in, and and for him to thrive. Uh, he. I think, I think if this team would have lost, like the the shot where he um, or the time like he scored like a bucket. Or I think it was a couple of free throws. Like he scored at the very like the very end of the game on some free throws, and then made that play off of Devin Booker, that defensive mm-hmm. play, and th- those were big plays, huge plays that that shifted the game. But bro, if he didn't make those two plays, I think, and they lost, like this whole thing with Russ would have just blown up again. Three for nineteen, bro. If you lose, and you're three for nineteen. The if you Westbrook lose, would have been terrible, dude. It's just and crazy you know I would have let him hear it for you know, sure. I would have went off on him. It's crazy just how two plays can change the entire your entire viewing of like how you're perceived, how your game is perceived just off of like. And obviously, it just goes to show that it's not what you do in the middle of the game or the beginning of the game. It's what you do at the very fucking end of the game, and. Yeah, Russ. I'm glad that ha- I'm glad Russ made those plays because, um, yeah, because if he didn't, we would be talking about something completely different right now. Three for nineteen is just bad, man. I think he I think he took like the second most shots on the team, if not the most. Like he did take the second most shots on the team behind Kawhi. So behind Kawhi, you know, maybe that's necessary. Maybe next game he goes forty four percent and and 
he has 17, 20 points, and and that's a difference maker. But you know that's just that's not good. And I think they lucked out a little bit. Next game's going to be different, bro. Next game's going to be different. Monty's going to come up with a different strategy, and they're going they're going to come out aggressive. Those five starters, they're going to come out aggressive. I think one thing Chris Paul needs to shoot more, bro. I mean, he went two for eight, but. Uh, you know, after you after you miss a six shots, you don't want to shoot. But like, bro, you need more. If you got Russ on one end shooting nineteen shots, you need more from mm-hmm. from Chris Paul. Chris Paul, though, I I think he's on his last legs. Like, <laughs> I grew up watching a lot of Chris Paul, but the way he's moving, the way he's not being aggressive and looking for a shot, tired, it reminds man. me of a he he's tired. He looks like the sad old puppy. I know his time is coming. Just wants to eat a piece of chocolate for once, but he knows what he knows. He has to die before he eats that piece of chocolate. So maybe just a bad analogy. No, it's it's fitting though because bro, bro is one of the greatest players to never win a championship so far. And he has a. I I just don't think it will be this year because. I don't think what so team in NBA history has ever gotten their best player mid-season with only th- how many games they played together? Ten, or if that? Yeah, th- yeah, ten. Like building chemistry takes the course of a season, and championship teams need that chemistry. And this Suns team doesn't doesn't look like they have the chemistry to win a championship. But honestly, this is just one game, so, and yeah. I feel like Kevin Durant, Devin Booker are gonna go off for forty points each oh, tomorrow no, it's night. Very possible. It's very possible. Yeah. It's it's more more it's more likely than maybe. And then this podcast doesn't matter, and we're gonna have to delete it from the airways because we don't know <laughs> what we're talking about. Bro, no, Devin Booker and and Durant are gonna come out tomorrow aggressive, and if they each don't have at least thirty each, I'm gonna be surprised. But bro, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. It's gonna be a great series. Uh, let's talk about the other side, the four and five seeds. Another p- uh, great series, um, bro. What did I tell you about my boy JB? Yes, Jalen Brunson. What did I this fucking is... tell you about him? He's he's coming out to play. He's coming out to play. He's doing the same thing he did in the playoffs last year. Like, there's really no difference than from what he did last year. Yeah, but this time he's the he's the guy. He's their go-to. He's the best player. And oh my god, 27 points uh in a low-scoring well, semi-low-scoring game. Um a playoff game. A, a playoff. Play- we'll just call it a playoff game. Just, you just can't enough cannot be said about this guy. I just love watching him play the shots that where he gets to in his in, in the half court. I think he might be if if Fox isn't the best player in the half court. It might be Jalen Brunson, bro. Like, just a point guard. Point guard. Sorry, not best yeah. player. But best point guard in the half court. It might be JB offensively. It's just, whew, this guy's point tough. Guards, point guards in the half court, on the other hand, Darius Garland, he did not look like the playmaking Darius Garland that we were accustomed to seeing all season. One assist. He looked like he was generally affected by the Knicks' physicality. And it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, maybe it does make sense because even though the Cavs have a lot of size, that their size comes from their length, mm-hmm. but then the Knicks' size comes from their strength. Julius Randle was an absolute bulldozer against the Cavs' defense, and the the Cavs. I mean, the Knicks were way more physical. They were getting to the boards. They were crashing offensive rebounds. That's a that's a common thing that we're seeing in the playoffs right now. The team that gets the most offensive rebounds tends to be the victorious team. Where was your boy Mobley, bro? He was getting sunned by Julius Randle. It was it was kind of hard to watch. Thirty eight. He could not box out and only eight points. Or thirteen shooting. You don't want to see that. Thirteen thirteen shots to get eight points. Yeah. I'm not too worried about Darius Garland. Uh, You'll think you turn it up. I think he will. I know he will turn it up. The uh, guys like that just they put in too much work, and like bad games will happen. You know what I mean? Like when was like they didn't have Donovan Mitchell last year in the playoffs. He so so they didn't even make the playoffs last year. So they, they lost in the play into the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, to so, the Nets. Yeah, so so give him give him some time. 
Darius Garland is that guy. Someone who didn't struggle was Donovan Mitchell. Man, 38 he, he points. He never struggles in the playoffs. Yeah, 38 points, 8 assists, um, 5 rebounds. One of the reasons I call him the most underrated player in the league is because he just does shit like this on the regular. He's been doing it since his rookie season in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. people don't talk about it. I, I don't understand why. Like, he's he's one of the greatest players in the league right now. And it's just... When you're dropping 38 points in a game, man, and you have a 72-point you know game, man, like, come on, man. Like, and you're on top three, top four team on the East. Like, bro. Okay, he he might – I don't know. I don't know how this is possible, but De'Aaron Fox has gotten more media attention during the playoffs than uh, Donovan Mitchell. It's because but they're I playing think against the Warriors. But I, mean, the Warriors. I don't know. The, the, the Nick, the, they're the playing Knicks. against the Knicks. Yeah. People care about the Knicks. You're right. People do care about the Knicks. And, like, think about the teams that Donovan Mitchell has played for. He plays for Utah and then Cleveland, which is arguably the Utah of the East or the Midwest, Mideast. I don't know. The Central? Where is Cleveland? I know I know Cleveland's in the middle. Ohio? Yeah, it's Ohio, but I, I don't... That's the Midwest. That's the Midwest, yeah. Josh Hart, though. Josh Hart is a playoff player. Absolutely brought energy off the bench. Josh Hart was traded for nothing. I know you think very highly of Cam Reddish, but Josh Hart was traded for nothing. Grabbing 10 rebounds and 17 points in a playoff game. On the road. Yeah. Josh Hart, yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> okay. But like that, that production at the wing... What Josh Hart provides at the wing for the Knicks is something that the Cavs are missing. Think about yeah, the wings. Good... The wings yeah. that the Cavs were putting out there. They had Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman, and Karis LeVert. Those, those, that combination, those three players combined for 18 points. Yeah, despicable. On five, five of 17 shooting too. Like if the the this is why I don't take the Cavs seriously. They they might have four all stars on their team, but they don't have a wing, and you need a wing. What do you mean? You what do you mean you don't contender. take the Cavs seriously? Just just last week you said that they're going to beat the Knicks, and so did Aaron. <laughs> okay, but I was the Freezing only one. Takes. I was the only one that was saying that you guys are just maybe taking this this Knicks team a little too lightly and disrespecting my boy Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brunson. I think, I think I did take the Knicks lightly. I one hundred percent. I didn't. I they are they're a nightmare a matchup. Not, they're just they, they just are. play. They just like the Heat. We were talking about the Heat. Like no one wants to play against the Heat because you just know what to expect them from them night in and night out. It's going to be a. It's it, it, the thing about the Heat and the and the Knicks. The Heat have a have a pretty fast pace and they shoot a lot of threes. The Knicks, they play gritty and slow and in the half court a lot and there's it's just hard to get some pace going against this team and that they're just gonna it's gonna be like that every single night you know Jalen Brunson mm-hmm. plays slow Jalen Jalen uh, Julius Randle plays slow in the half court it's just like this team is not fun to play against and when there's yeah. not as many shots going the pace isn't as fast you just every single shot matters much more and has that much more importance uh but like, but bro, it's it it is important to think that they only played one game, and yeah, uh, like you said that Fox is getting more media attention. The reason for that is because they're winning. So, um, give Donovan Mitchell a couple games. If they get if they start winning and they they have a lead against this Knicks team, the whole story is going to change about how the Knicks should have got D Mitch. They should have gave up R J Barrett. They shouldn't they shouldn't have signed Julius. I mean, uh, Jalen Brunson. Just it's just because that they lost the first game at home. It's just give them some time. I I do think that the Cavs have a pretty good wing. The Cavs have a wing named R.J. Barrett because he was he was not with the Knicks that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. If if they lost, that would have been the entire thirty-eight points. For for RJ Barrett seven and they lost the game like that would have been the story, bro. That would have been the story. They wanted to keep. They wanted to keep RJ. They wanted. They didn't want to trade D. Mitch to keep this guy. 
to keep this mm. guy seven, oh, six, God. and four. That would have been the fucking storyline. And the New York media is toxic. I think yeah. everybody knows that. He got saved by Brunson and Julius Randle. Saved. And Josh Hart. Absolutely they got saved, saved by the Cavs' terrible clutch offense. The Cavs have been terrible in the clutch all year long. I think they ranked bottom 10 in terms of offensive rating in the clutch. Because they don't have enough scores. You you know who's going to get the ball. It's, it's yeah. either going to be Garland or it's going to be Mitch. You know, It's one of those two guys. And even when they had Garland last year running the offense in the clutch, he wasn't very effective at doing it, which is why they traded for Donovan Mitchell. And they're still facing the same problems that they had last year. All right. Of the teams that we have not mentioned yet, what what series or game has stood out to you most out of the teams that we haven't mentioned? In my opinion, we didn't mention these teams because the games that they're playing in are unwatchable in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely freaking unwatchable. Um, i say the most interesting, to be honest, I think they're all going to end in sweeps. But I really? think that Nuggets, Nuggets, Timberwolves might be the most interesting even though they got absolutely blown out. Why? Are you just, just saying just that because of a little scuffle at the end? I did like that scuffle at the end with Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson getting a lot of getting into a lot of scuffles lately, man. Yeah. You got like a guy with, with a lot of chips on his shoulders. Like I usually like that shit talk, but bro, if you're down thirty, like you can't fucking it's, talk, bro. It just it just comes out as being butt hurt. Yeah, bro. Like, come on, man. Like like Get ready for the next game, but don't fucking shit talk. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're on well, 30. I, Anything you say I, it has no validity. I chose this game because Towns and Gobert are two players with actual size that can, like, maybe tire Jokic out, but, like, I don't think this game will go long enough to where that's necessary. I don't think this this series will go to six or seven games to where Jokic is just exhausted at the end of it. Because what they can provide on defense with the size is getting canceled out by their terrible offense because the spacing is terrible right now. Aaron Gordon is just clogging up the paint. Anthony Edwards has no place to drive. And the, the Timberwolves are so thin that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is starting for them. Jesus. I know I I know you're a big fan of him from Summer League, Nikhil Alexander Walker, but he should not be a starter on a playoff team. Yeah, I agree. Why is he starting? The fuck? Uh Jaden McDaniels is injured. Oh shit. They need yeah. Kyle Anderson to play the point off the bench. Torian Prince, I feel like Torian Prince should start. But yeah, Torian Prince went 0 yeah. for 4. That's an interesting decision from Finch. Just they don't have a lot of options. This is a pretty thin team. But yeah, they they're definitely is, missing Beasley for sure. But, oh, but Beasley's but not even for, Beasley wasn't even on that fucking team. I'm tripping. He, I'm tripping. He was there on there last year, but yeah. The reason why actually to say that this game is so interesting, that's like I'm that's not even a compliment, honestly. I'm just saying that they're <laughs> the most watchable of, of the unwatchables. It was it was a statement game for the Nuggets for sure. Uh, I feel like because you know, people people don't think they're a legit one seed. Yeah, and they kind of ended the season off a little rocky, um, especially right out of that All Star break. Started playing like shit. Um, my yeah, my then, yeah. What's your pick? Yeah, my pick. Um, I gotta talk about man the the fucking Boston Celtics. Oh, I talk I about statement games. Saying. Talk about statement games. They look fucking good, man. Jalen Brown. Oh, man. Jalen Brown looks great. T- Tatum looks great. They both look great. And it just reminds you of of how good they were last year. Um, The more I watch Derek White play, the more I'm a fucking fan of this guy. Like, he just, like, it's just so smooth. Everything he does is just, he doesn't make mistakes. Like, I really yeah, don't he- see him make mistakes. Like, any, and for a guy that shoots as much as he does, has the ball in his hands for as much as he does, it just doesn't fucking make mistakes. Like, what a great guy to have on your team. And he's an excellent defender. He held Trey Young to 5 of 18 shooting. Is he better than Marcus Smart? Like, is he a. Is he a I think so. Better? Yeah. Like, I he's think a Marcus scorer. Smart this season has had a down year. Marcus, for- I, a lot of times, Joe Mazzula has opted to 
play Marcus Smart over Derek White in the clutch. And I think that's such a disservice to Derek I White. Agree. Because I agree. I 100% agree. Because, but the, the thing is that the Celtics are so versatile. They can run so many different lineups with the combination of White, Tatum, Horford, Brown, Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon. Any of those can make a competent lineup that can that can compete with any any team's clutch lineup. Any other I'm team's looking, clutch lineup. I'm looking at the eighteen eight players that they that play, and of these eight players, only two of them, who are both centers. Um, actually, is Sam Hauser is he a center? Uh, I'd say he's more of a wing. He plays that Grant Williams position. You know that type of tweener position. So he can shoot. He he's an excellent shooter, yeah. Okay, so scratch that. There's only one guy out of these eight dudes that can't shoot the ball, and it's Robert Williams. Every single one of these dudes, he's a menace on defense. Yeah, and you don't really need him to shoot. Every single one of these guys is can hit the three. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Sound Hauser, Sam Hauser, and and then dudes that don't even play, like uh uh the guy from Oklahoma City Thunder. What's his name? Oh, Muscala. Muscala, like guys like that are just sitting on their bench, not even playing. Uh, Dudes that you have to guard, like basically that's the archetype you're looking at. You have to guard eight players on the Celtics. Oh, and Grant Williams didn't even play this game, so yeah. But Grant Williams, and he's another shooter. Sam Hauser, I mean Grant Williams, um, he played that Sam Hauser role last year, but Sam Hauser has been better. I think they're saving Grant Williams for when they have to play against the Sixers. Because why are you defensive guy? They need that defensive guy that can absolutely take a beating for Joel Embiid. Any honorable mentions? I mean, I, I, we basically touched on all these teams except for the Sixers Nets series. I don't. I don't even want to mention this because I feel like this is not even a contest. They have <laughs> poor Nick Claxton out there trying to guard Embiid. Yeah, and the Nets are playing small ball with a team that has like the big, most dominant force in the league right now. Yeah, I think I think what you're seeing is kind of the beginning of something that could be great because you got. To find scoring forwards, especially young scoring forwards, it's it's hard. And the Nets yeah, have two of them. Cameron Johnson. Bridges and Cam Johnson. Yeah. Cam Johnson had 28 today in a playoff game. That's the, This guy has proven time and time again he's he's not just a role player anymore. He can make – he has the potential to take that next step, and he most likely will. Uh, 28 points, four rebounds, one assist. And Mikael Bridges, we all know how special this kid is. 21.7 assists, five, uh, five rebounds off 41 minutes. He's the number one option on that team, and next year he's just going to get better uh, when they, with the yeah. whole offseason under his belt. I just hope that the Nets do something in the offseason. This is how confident I am that the Sixers are going to sweep or maybe go to five games with hey, the Nets. Hey, this game was pretty close until it wasn't. <laughs> until Harden, Harden had a shit game, but then Tyrese Maxey took over. See, but uh, see, that's I what just, I, if it's just that's what this this Nets team needs. They need a guy like Tyrese Maxey. Like think about if you had a guy like Tyrese Maxey instead of Spencer Dinwiddie. As much as I love Spencer Dinwiddie, <laughs> just think about if you replaced a Tyrese Maxey. That kind of pace with these young guys, that kind of shooting, that kind of passing, uh, playmaking, and and just mostly speed and pace for a young team like this Nets team. That would be fucking scary, man. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the offseason for the Nets because I don't, I don't think their roster is balanced at all. They got too many of the same type of players. Like, I feel like Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, they all play the same exact role. They yeah, don't really have true. any guards. They don't have any size. Yeah. And they just need better point guard play, like actual yeah, they, guard play. They need to get rid, rid of Seth, Cur- Seth Curry. Like, bro is not good. I think, I think a contender is going to – Get Seth Curry. Yeah, but they're a not contending. Cont- they're not contenders. They're not. They're not contenders. Yes, he's like the uh, finishing piece on a contending team. Yeah, I like this Nets team though. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think it's gonna be a sweep because you got two, two games in Brooklyn. Uh, so I think, I think they're gonna take one of those. I, I think they, they, how close it was in, in the first half and in a little bit in the third. How close that shit was. Like they got it in, in Philadelphia. I think they'll take at least one. Yeah, but I think it's only close because Harden doesn't look healthy. Harden looks like that Achilles is bothering him. I remember he said in an interview a couple of weeks back 
Actually, it was like right before the season ended that he's still in pain. He can't really put his heel down. Oh, God. Oh, God. But who cares? You got Tyrese Maxey and Tobias speaking Harris. Of, speaking of his his Achilles heel, he is the Achilles heel to that team. Mm, yeah, he is. Because he doesn't want to score. Time and time again, he is the X factor. And if the guy can't even play, like, what the fuck? I always think it's a red flag when your second best player is considered your X factor because you always expect your first and second best player to show up mm-hmm. regardless. And right. then this is this is the biggest problem with Harden. Too many times in his career, he is the X factor. And this is this is a team with probably the most pressure on them to win in the playoffs because you have Embiid probably winning an MVP this season. And then you have Harden who who's a free agent after this season and he he's going to demand a large contract. It's going to be one of those things. The Russell Westbrook, the Carmelo Anthony, the slow decline. No one wants to pay him. Bro had eight fucking points in 38 minutes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, it's going to happen against a, a, a young, inexperienced Nets team. But who do they play if when they move on? The the winner of who? The Celtics. They're gonna play the Celtics. You think you you think you can have eight points against the Celtics and and win the game? That will Fuck be their no. toughest series. I just don't. And then after and they can only do it, so much. Assuming and bro, the Celtics. That's the team that always has Embiid's number. Embiid said said it himself that the Celtics always kick his ass. And yeah, then it's not gonna get easier for the Sixers too because. I, assuming they beat the Celtics, they're probably going to play against the Bucks. Assuming the Bucks beat the Heat, and assuming the Bucks beat whoever comes out the Cavs and Knicks series. Yeah, if you're the Sixers, in my opinion, um, I think Doc has a, has got to go. Um, mm, along with I, along I, with, sorry, you along go with away. Harden, along, along with, Harden. with Harden. I think, and if you're going to keep Harden, Harden has to be that number three guy. You gotta make you gotta make Maxi the the number two guy, and the, maybe you're not ready to win now with him as your number two guy. But, bro, this guy is the future of your team, and you have invested in him. You know, you made it clear you didn't want to give him up when you when you when you when you traded for Harden, uh, because he is good, really good. Um, but and as of now, he's better than James Harden. So. I I had him on my fantasy team and he was playing so well, and then just efficiency, you know, usage. They were winning, playing great against with Embiid, and then and then Harden came and everything just went down for him. And then the games mm-hmm. that Harden wouldn't play, he would just go off again. And it's just like this guy, you just need to give him the ball, and he will do great things for this offense. You got to worry about a guy as fast as Tyrese Maxey, and you also got to worry about the biggest guy on the court. Like that's that's tough. When you got got when you got a guy like Harden, you know, taking all eight seconds to get the ball past half court, and then you know, wave his hands to get everyone out the way, go ISO, and then give it up with three seconds left. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not you can't do that. He's not he's not that guy anymore. And yeah, he he can't be the point guard because that's basically what he is for this team. He's got to be a He's scoring a guard. shooting guard that gives you like seventeen to twenty a game, like that. Like that's I've been saying that, and that's what Maxi has to be that guy. I just I just don't understand Doc Rivers at all, bro. I remember that clip earlier in the season. It was like during the Sixers training camp. Doc Rivers was preaching to Harden, "You got to be that guy. You got to be that number one. You got to be that number two to Joel Embiid's number one." Like He's he not. said, "This is not this is not a democracy. You're not." You, of course, you're going to facilitate the ball, but you don't have to worry about feeding everyone. Feed yourself first because that's that's how the Sixers are going to win. Well, when Embiid and Harden are feasting, and then Maxi will feast off those two. Yeah. Um, What are your predictions for this third game in Golden State for the Sacramento Kings Warriors uh, series? Oh, taking the third straight win or what, bro? I think ah. it will be a third straight win. <laughs> I think this team is so hungry. I think, okay, as well as the Warriors play at home, 
The Kings play just as well on the road. The Kings yeah. have a way better road record than they have a home record. Yep. And why is that not being discussed? Because these games have been so close as it is. That's why. And I think that the Warriors home crowd, they're going to be surprised because I'm hearing that a lot of Sacramento Kings fans are going to drive to San Francisco for that game just because tickets are way cheaper. Way cheaper, yeah. Interesting interesting to look at. But I, think, I have a question for you. Yeah. Wait, wait, go ahead. This no, this no, last you question. Go. You go, you go. No, nah, this is more of a closing question. Okay. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, like I said before, the biggest thing you're going to see out of this Warriors team is their bench stepping up. The, you haven't seen guys like Jordan Poole, like, um, like Ty Jerome, uh, like Dante DiVincenzo. You haven't seen these guys play very, very well. And at home, these guys play completely different. And so you're going to get the same from Steph. You're going to get the same from Clay. You're going to get the same, same from uh, you know Draymond. But you're going to see more from these role players that feed off of mm-hmm. that crowd, that are comfortable in their home arena. Um, and that could be the difference. So that being said, the Kings have the Kings role players role role players have to continue doing what they have been doing these last two games. If they can, this game is going to be close. And I hope the Kings can pull out. If they can't, if if Malik doesn't show up, if Herter doesn't show up, if Keegan doesn't show up, if Davion doesn't Davion doesn't show up, if Lyles doesn't show up, then we're fucking doomed. We're gonna get ran out of the court, bro. I'm telling you, if those guys don't show up, because mm-hmm. and you know what we're gonna get from Fox, you know what you're gonna get from Sabonis. Uh, pray he doesn't get in foul trouble early on in the game. But if you if 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 you don't get those guys to give you what they've been giving you, and we've seen games where they don't, we have seen games. These two games that they've played so far have been like the best games I've seen out of some of these dudes. So it's like. Hopefully they can keep it up, but I can't promise that, you know? So the Warriors, they're searching for answers. Watching tonight's game, they were trying to get something out of Moses Moody. They they put Jermichael Green in. They put um uh uh Jonathan Kuminga in, but none none of those players were ever able to provide something. And that's something that's that's something I haven't seen from the Warriors where like they're literally searching for answers. We always know that the Warriors are the smart team. They got the answers for anything. But their back is against the wall. And I think this game three is the biggest game of the season for the Kings, not the Warriors. Because this is a chance for us to really stamp stamp our presence in, on on the NBA. We're we're letting everyone know that we we're three oh against the defending champions and we're coming we're not just stopping here we're coming for that championship facts did you see what did you hear what uh Stephen a said about the kings today on espn i heard some bits but i know he's, he's a he's a converter he's yes he said when they're running like that or he's whatever spiel he said before he said they can beat anybody and they said our he pace said would not translate to the playoffs he said that. He said, said we that. could beat anybody. We can beat anybody. We can. We can. But it, it, it's going to be a while before we get there. We're going to wait till June. But the only two teams that give us some trouble are the Celtics and Bucks. Yeah, both on the East. So let's get there first. Yep. <laughs> let's get there first. Dude, I'm just. I'm just. I'm just so excited. Uh, I. I. I I really want to go to a game so bad, but they're so fucking they're expensive, so expensive, bro. They're so, they're expensive. so expensive. But um, I know that if if we end up playing the Lakers next round, they're just going to be more expensive. So I'm just gonna, yeah. so fucking. Uh, yeah. ah. All right. So one question to close it off. This this first weekend of playoff basketball, what would you rate it? It's been a lot of great games so far. What would you rate it on on a scale of one to ten? Mm. On a scale of one to ten, mm. I'm. Should I give you the biased answer or the unbiased answer? It can be whatever you want, man. Go crazy. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give you the unbiased answer. I'm gonna speak for the playoffs as a whole, and um, I'm gonna give it a solid eight. 
I think the the it's really so interesting. I think it's really interesting with these four and five uh, uh, series with the Knicks and Cavs and the Clippers and Suns. It's really interesting because both teams could easily have been like a top three team on a different season. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, I think that is those two series are going to be great. I think that the um, the Warriors series is great. I think the Clippers. Um, the um the Bucks Heat is going to be great. Lakers Grizzlies is going to be great. So I I'd rate it as, you know, what, I'm going to go seven and a half. Seven and a half. Wow, you what? You went low. You went low. I think last year was kind of almost better. Last year was better. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give the bias answer. This shit broke my fucking scale because <laughs> I, this is mainly because it's Kings Warriors. All right, unbiasedly. Right. Looking at this game, this game is. This series has been beautiful basketball. Both teams are been. playing basketball at such a high level. It has been, yeah. And then that makes it like an 8 out of 10. But then what broke my skill is the fact that the Kings are coming out. Facts. And winning. Facts. So, yeah, so I mean, are acknowledging bias, the Fox. bias scale, I'm 10 out of 10, bro. I mean, yeah. we haven't been in the playoffs in 16 years, but I almost lost my voice after that game screaming, 16 years, 16 fucking years. I was literally yes, screaming that in random people's <laughs> face, bro. I was screaming that shit in random people's face. And then we was like, you know, everyone's just like pushing each other, screaming at each other. Just like, it's like a fucking mosh pit, bro. It's great. And everyone loves it, right? Like nobody's like shutting you down or anything. Nah, the only people that are fucking pissed off were the Warriors fans. <laughs> they shouldn't be in Sacramento anyways. Dude, honestly, no. Not as many pulled up into Sac as I thought or showed up to the game. Um, which I'm glad. But they, I think they I'm just so don't want to smoke, bro. They just don't want to like they don't be ridiculed. Uh, <laughs> and you should you should always let them hear it. Like what? <laughs> one of my coworkers, who is one of my homies too, uh, he's a Warriors fan, and and we always we always fucking talk about the Warriors and, and the Kings. And um, bro went to the one of the he was like in the area for the Kings game watching it with some homies, and he said he was got into a fight with this Warrior. I mean, with the with the Kings fans. Uh, just because he's wearing like a Warriors gear and like rooting for the Warriors, but it's just like, bro, like it's not a safe space if you're yeah, a Warriors fan a safe right space. now. <laughs> and I encourage it to not be a safe space for Warriors fans. <laughs> I mean, especially after what Draymond did, it's not a safe space. Oh yeah, man, fuck him, bro. That that shit was ridiculous. Let let's let's end on that. Fuck Draymond Green. <laughs> fuck Draymond Green. <laughs> fuck Draymond, bro. All right, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's let's pray for three and zero, okay? All right, three and zero. I I told Aaron we just need to steal one away game and we're in good shape. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to our eleventh episode. Um, I promise you guys, I will be posting more on our Instagram. That's we've been preaching me and Angus when we first started this shit. We preached to each other consistency, and we've been pretty consistent with the podcasts. But we have not been consistent with. Yeah, we're our a little two man operation. Yeah, we're two. We've not operation. been consistent with the social media, and it has been hurting our viewership. So I will continue um, doing that shit. Expect a couple uh, posts this week, hopefully. Uh, yes. If I can find enough good clips on this podcast to fucking clip. <laughs> already know. Already know which clips, man. You already know which ones gets the views. All right, but yeah, you, you let me know. You help me out a little bit, but yeah, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, um, on Monday or Sunday or whatever day we we have time to do it. And we love you guys. Appreciate it. Peace. Go Kings. Lock the beam. Beam.